0: Hello and welcome back to Astro vibes a podcast where I get down to the nerdy-dirty details about this ancient language, and sometimes about you. I am your host and astrologer, Caro, and I'm so glad you're here today to learn about Taurus and Scorpio rising. These two signs are polar opposites in the birth chart, meaning they reflect opposing qualities and are united by a similar theme. I'm going to walk you through the basic archetypes of these signs, their rulers, and what else to consider in the chart if you or a friend have their Ascendant in Taurus or Scorpio. Before I get into these wonderful signs, I wanted to say that if you're enjoying the podcast and you want me to take a little look at your own birth chart, I do readings. Yeah. You can book with me at calendly.com slash underscore. The link is in the show notes. Right now I'm doing sun, moon, and rising readings, birth chart analyses, and solar return readings. I also charge half price for follow-ups and offer personal transit readings after we've met at least once to talk through your birth chart. If you don't know what transits are yet, oh man, I can't wait to tell you about them in a future episode. (laughs) They're my favorite. Again, for booking, visit Calendly.com slash underscore, link in the notes. On to Taurus and Scorpio. First, what do these polar opposites have in common? For starters, they share a modality. They're both fixed signs. Fixed signs, or Taurus, Leo, Scorpio, and Aquarius, continue a season. The job of fixed signs is to stabilize and ground us as changes set in. In the northern hemisphere, Taurus continues spring, and it's the time of the year when the seeds we planted take root and they start to sprout. Scorpio reflects the continuation of the season fall. With less light, the cute and colorful leaves outside start to die, and they fall off their branches and they decompose on the ground. (laughs) A coolness sets in, and it gets wetter outside. All fixed signs share the following qualities. They like routine. They're good organizers and planners. And they're persistent and consistent. They can also get stuck in ways that are just not working for them because they're so resistant to change. They're not prepared for it because that's the mutable signs job. Taurus and Scorpio both have to do with resources but they approach this topic in very different ways. Taurus is associated with the second house, house of personal resources and assets, as well as personal finances. Through a super capitalistic, colonialist lens, this house could be interpreted as the house of your money, what you own, what you're investing in, and that is one way to see it, but it's not the whole picture. From a more decolonized perspective, Your resources also include things like your strengths, what you personally value in life, the food that you eat, the water you drink, and the land you share with others. It's about working with what you have to work with. Scorpio is associated with the 8th house, and it's concerned with resources too. But its focus is on shared resources, mutual aid, collaborations with others, transforming resources into something new. The 8th house is also associated with birth, death, sex, and other forms of creative merging. If you've watched Grey's Anatomy, the wonderful TV show, this might be helpful. You know how Meredith says that she's dark and twisty, not bright and shiny? Scorpio is dark and twisty. Taurus is bright and shiny. Neither is better than the other, and they actually need each other to exist. They do this this bright and shiny dark and twisty thing in terms of how they handle resources. One likes to cultivate them and the other likes to merge them and transform them into something new. So now let's get into Taurus rising, more about the sign of Taurus. Its archetype is the sensualist. An earth sign, Taurus experiences life through its senses and the material world. By material, I mean the world in front of our eyes. The world we can touch and smell and taste. The counterpart of the spiritual. This makes Taurus incredibly practical and it's always seeking material stability. In a very fixed sign way, Taurus loves routine and is made extremely uncomfortable by change. This is where they get the stubbornness thing from. They'll keep doing something because it's just the way they've always done it. Ruled by Venus, it appreciates and cultivates the beauty that surrounds it. Taurus is represented by the bull, and its symbol looks like a little bull head with horns. Although Taurus can be an angry bull, it's slow to anger and would much rather be chilling, enjoying the land, munching on some grass, you know? Taurus makes do with the resources that it has. Also, you can trust Taurus to finish the job and finish it well, But do not rush Taurus, or you could get Angry Bull. They like to go at their own pace. Taurus suns and moons all exhibit the traits that I just named in one way or another. Taurus suns show it in their outer expressions, while for Taurus moons it's more about their internal state and the way they take care of themselves. Taurus risings embody Taurus in the internal drive kind of way. They present as a Taurus. It's what everyone sees. Taurus risings make gut choices based on a desire to stabilize what's around them in order to help it all grow and give flowers. Their primary concern is feeling secure in the material sense. They're very value driven, second house, especially when it comes to hard work, thoroughness, and seeking comfort and pleasure. They want to be seen by others as productive, dependable, and hardworking, which they can be once they get going. Getting going can be a challenge for Taurus Rising, because that often involves a change in the routine that they love and are accustomed to. They might not ask for outside help or make an important shift because they'd rather make do with what's in front of them. Their stubbornness comes out less in their overexpression, like Taurus Sun, and more through the life choices that they do and do not make. Once they are able to integrate a new way of living or working into their routine, they are unstoppable. Taurus Risings are the earth sign that's ruled by Venus. I decided I'm gonna quote some texts as I introduce the planets so that you can get a couple different perspectives on their archetypes. And it's not just me telling you stuff. This is, again, from Richard Tarnas's Cosmos and Psyche, about the planet Venus. Venus, the principle of desire, love, beauty, value, the impulse and capacity to attract and be attracted, to love and be loved, to seek and create beauty and harmony, to engage in social and romantic relations, sensuous pleasure, artistic and aesthetic experience, the principle of Eros and the beautiful, Aphrodite, the goddess of love and beauty. The earth sign ruled by this planet, Taurus Risings, love the sensual pleasures in life. A delicious snack, a good night's rest, a comfy sweater, a beautiful tree. They're good at gathering people together and nurturing groups. They give off a grounding presence, especially if they have more earth or even err in their chart. Taurus Risings are pretty chill. They don't get upset over petty things, but if you push their buttons enough, you will face the surprising wrath of a Taurus Rising's anger. Overall, they're concerned with the enjoyment of life and life's physical comforts. Hello, I'm a Taurus Rising, and I thought I would name a couple of things I find very Taurus Rising about me. Keep in mind that every Taurus rising is different depending on where their ruler is and other happenings in their chart. My Venus is in Virgo in the 5th house. This makes me a certain kind of Taurus rising. So what kind am I? Let me tell you. Number one, I need and love my routine. Every day I wake up and the first thing in the morning I go make my coffee and I go journal I study my transits for the day. I do my gratitude list. I plan my schedule. I make my smoothie. Starting my day this way is comforting and it's necessary for me. Without my morning routine and my daily yoga, it's a weird day that I don't feel quite at home in. Number two, I'm attached to my material things, especially if they're part of my daily routines. My planners, notebooks, pens, and markers are sacred to me. One time I lost one of my journals, and it devastated me like nothing I had ever felt before. It was in a bag that got stolen on a party boat, but that's a story for another day. (laughs) I keep every book that I've ever owned, maybe not ever like since I was a child, but as an adult, every book and I hold on to options, objects, with emotional significance. Don't mess with the Taurus rising and their stuff. Number three, I am an embroiderer. Through this medium of art, Venus, I get to gather a bunch of material resources, Earth, and to stabilize them using an embroidery hoop, Taurus, so that I can create something beautiful and detailed a la my Venus and Virgo in the 5th house. As long as I have the momentum, I work diligently until it's done. If I lose my momentum, it's hard for me to start back up on a project again. Although I always do, at my own pace. (laughs) Number 4. I crave stability. Change is hard for me with a capital H. I get attached to a way of living because it helps me feel safe and comforted even if this way of living is ultimately harming me. Luckily, my sun and moon are both cardinal signs, and these parts of me usually give me a little nudge, letting me know it's time to finally do something about it. Number five, the last one, I promise. The sensual things in life are important to me. I love a delicious meal. In my journal, you'll find whole passages describing yummy things that I've cooked and eaten. I am very physically affectionate in relationships and I need that return to feel cared for. I love to dress cute but also comfy and I like to make sure my home is also cute and comfy. I love candles and incense and listening to the rain. So those are some things about me, a Virgo Venus in the 5th house, Taurus Rising. What kind of Taurus Rising are you or your mom, sister or best friend? Well first, let's see if you have any planets in your rising sign's house. These come out loud and clear in how you present to the world. I'm using Uranus as our example planet for today. Here's a bit about Uranus from Cosmos and Psyche. Uranus is empirically associated with the principle of change, rebellion, freedom, liberation, reform and revolution and the unexpected breakup of structures, with sudden surprises, revelations, and awakenings, lightning-like flashes of insight, the acceleration of thoughts and events, with births and new beginnings of all kinds, and with intellectual brilliance, cultural innovation, technological invention, experiment, creativity, and originality. If you're a Taurus rising with Uranus in the first house, you might come off as very unconventionally unique and, re- and rebellious, even in your appearance, since the first house is about the self, including your physical body. Very punk rock, nonconformist vibes. Through your appearance and the way that you act, you might give others the impression that you're great with change. But you're still a fixed sign though, so chances are you seem more comfortable with it than you really are. Regardless, a Taurus with Uranus in the first house is going to be a lot more experienced in the forces of change than a a Taurus with no Uranus in its first house. If you have another planet in the first house, listen up for other example planets in past and future episodes and apply those. Then we look at Where the heck Venus is in your chart? What sign and house is she in? Venus is happiest in Taurus and Libra, enjoys being in Pisces, and struggles when in Scorpio and Aries, and most of all, Virgo. If your Venus is in any other sign, this means she's in neutral territory there. She's neither strengthened nor challenged. Let's say that you're a Taurus rising with Venus in Libra, your sixth house. Venus is allowed to shine bright in Libra, an air sign, making Venus's primary function to facilitate pleasant relationships through connection with the mind, like talking, listening, negotiating, arguing, etc. Less so about the sensual and aesthetic pleasures and bringing people together, like Venus in Taurus, although Venus in Libra still loves all these things. The sixth house is the house of your daily work, health, and habits. A Taurus rising with Venus in Libra in the sixth house might be the person at work who likes to keep the peace. They bring a a lightness and charm to their community's vibe. They might often find themselves being the mediator, the middle person that helps others sort things out. This placement might also be great at beautifying their home or their office, the person that others count on to decorate for different holidays. If a Taurus rising has Venus in one of its less dignified signs, for example, Scorpio, which is Taurus rising's seventh house, it's not that this is bad or that your relationships are doomed. It's just that Venus is in uncharted territory. Scorpio, which we'll talk more about later, is comfortable with the darker, uglier aspects of life. It's deep, intense, and can be secretive. This is like a goth Venus. Her charm, people-pleaserness, and radiant beauty gets shrouded in an edgy, less trusting veil. She's not used to acting this way, but she adapts into a truly bad bitch. With Scorpio being in the seventh house, a Taurus rising with Venus here might be the close friend or partner who keeps everyone's secrets but is hesitant to share their own. A stabilizing force They might be the person individuals lean on during darker periods, such as deaths and disasters. They're more likely to be comfortable in this role. Something to watch out for is being possessive, obsessive, and controlling in their one-on-one relationships when they're feeling insecure or unsafe. Next, consider the aspects that Venus makes in your chart. What planets is she training and sextiling or forming a positive relationship with? Where is she conflicting with another planet in a square, opposition, or perhaps conjunction? How is she being empowered or challenged? Maybe you have Venus trine Uranus, bonding these planets together in a nice flowy way. Uranus empowers Venus to feel comfortable with change and disruption. And Venus empowers Uranus to bring these things to her concerns with beauty and relationships. Maybe someone who gravitates to unconventional relationships or creating unconventional art. My cat. Welcome, Paprika, to the show. He's on my lap. (laughs) You might hear him purring. Honestly, I don't know if I like that. Anyway, if you have a square aspect between these planets or an aspect that signifies tension, there are challenges to this dynamic. This is an opportunity to grow. It might be hard for this person to deal with change in relationships or to disrupt the peace, but they can work to deal with these issues and come out on the other end with more understanding about themselves than a Venus trine Uranus person who just acts this way and doesn't think twice about it. That is just one example of a Venus aspect and a very simplified interpretation of it. Then, We look at the state of your Taurus rising within the context of your whole chart, element-wise, starting with your sun sign. For example, I'm a Taurus rising with the Libra sun, a very Venusian combo. Taurus brings out an earthy groundedness to my Libran expression, which is mainly experienced through my relationships, thoughts, and ideas. This combo makes me great with people but it puts me at risk of hardcore people-pleasing, which I totally instinctually do. (laughs) Understanding the archetypes of Venus, Taurus, and Libra have really helped me to learn more about this part of myself. This is why astrology is cool. Before I had ever seen my birth chart, of course I knew things about myself, but I didn't have a lot of words for it. It gives you a vocabulary for self-understanding. Anyway, that was a little tangent. In contrast to me, a Taurus rising with an airy sun would more naturally put themselves first and be more concerned with taking actions grounded in their need to win. They're still Venus ruled, so they do care what other people think, but that fiery Aries gives them a little boost towards self-assertion. Lastly, what's the rest of your chart like, elements-wise? Are you a Taurus rising with an earthy chart and a sprinkle of fire? This brings a quicker, more action oriented vibe to the slow and steady nature of your Earth planets. A Taurus rising with a little bit of air, or sorry, with a little bit of Earth and the rest in air and water, is grounded in their relationships, mind, and feelings. They might be great at cultivating strong, empathy filled, intellectually stimulating, and grounded relationships, but struggle to take action because they're very wrapped up on, with what's going on in their thoughts feelings, and sensual world. I hope that that helped you gain a deeper understanding of how your Taurus rising works in your chart. Please remember that there's so much else going on, and this is just one layer of it, although a very important layer. A chart reading by a professional astrologer is one way to start weaving all those layers together. Now time for a little break before we go on to Scorpio rising. If you like the music played on the break, check out the show notes for song and artist information. We will be right back. Welcome back, I hope you all had a nice little break. Now time to get back to work! (laughs) Just kidding, but yeah. So we're talking now about Scorpio rising, about the sign Scorpio, which has a bad reputation in popular astrology even though there's no such thing as bad or evil signs. Hopefully by the end of this episode, you'll see why Scorpio doesn't completely deserve the hate that it's been given. We all need a Scorpio at some point. Also, remember that we all have each sign in our chart, and if you hate something about a certain sign, I hate to break it to you, but it's because they reflect something that you don't like or feel comfortable about within yourself. Check where that sign falls in your chart housewise and you might see what I mean. Projection is only human, and the key is to be aware of when you're doing it and what it's reflecting about your internal state. Then, you stop taking shit out on other people. Okay? Okay. Scorpio's archetype is the alchemist. Its symbol looks like an M with an arrow coming out of its right side. As I mentioned earlier, Scorpio is a fixed sign, also marking the continuation of a season which is fall in the Northern Hemisphere. This time of the year reflects some of the qualities of Scorpio. It's not very sunny and bright, and it welcomes darkness. Things die and decay, reflecting Scorpio's comfort with these not-so-cute aspects of life. While Taurus would rather focus on the blossoming, cultivating aspect of life, Scorpio is more than okay with living in the truth that everything comes to an end, recognizing that the end transforms into a new beginning. It's more comfortable with the taboo aspects of life than any other sign dark and twisty. Some people might be surprised to hear that Scorpio is a water sign, meaning it attunes to life primarily through its feelings and empathy for others. How else would they be so intense? Yes, it's a fact. Scorpios, whether sun, moon, or rising, have an intensity to them, and there are many ways to interpret intense. Often, they're emotionally intense because of their water sign nature. They feel so deeply that they tend to get fixated on certain emotions and find it hard to let them go. They naturally connect with others and the world in deep and penetrating ways, but they're more withdrawn and secretive about their own depth. This is partly because of the trust thing, but mainly because they need their space to absorb and process the intensity of what they're feeling. They're not going to verbalize it right away because it's a lot. Scorpios love to investigate and probe into things that other people might avoid. It's susceptible to getting obsessed with things, and it can be a very sexual sign, because sexuality can be an outlet for this intensity that it seeks. They crave transformative experiences that go beneath the surface. So, what's it like to be a Scorpio rising, embodying all of these traits and their motivation for life Got choices, the mask that they unconsciously take on and off around others. Well, first of all, as a Taurus rising, that sounds like a lot. <laughs> a lot of emotions, a lot of intensity, a lot of darkness I would rather not look at. But that's because I'm a Taurus rising, motivated by bright and shiny. Although my Capricorn moon is definitely dark and twisty. Scorpio Risings are motivated by getting to the heart of things, feeling their way through life, and using their transformative powers in the world. Scorpio Risings can't turn off their feelings like other signs. Capricorn, I'm talking about you. (laughs) They are naturally and often unconsciously perceptive to other people's emotions. They are great in a crisis, the ones holding down the fort when everything around them is on fire. Always on the defensive, they're prepared for these things. Scorpio Risings can really embody the fear of trusting and letting go. They hold on strongly to their feelings and might not notice that they're doing it. They might be overly suspicious of others and take a while to open up, but when they do, it's like the most intense and transformative relationship you have ever experienced. Part of Scorpio Risings' challenge is to realize that Not everyone is out to get them. Some of these qualities might be stronger than others, depending on what the rest of their chart looks like. So let's do that. What does the rest of the chart look like? Well first, we'll check for any planets in the first house that overtly come out in the Scorpio rising's appearance. For example, Venus. A Scorpio rising with Venus in the first house might be super sexy in a goth way, while still wanting to fit in and be liked. This could temper Scorpio's overt intensity in a way that others can more easily digest. They might really care about what other people think about them, and this might affect them on an emotional level. They love intensely and they create intense art. A Scorpio rising with Uranus in the first house could be someone whose feelings change quickly and suddenly and very outwardly, so they might cry a lot Or they might get really mad, and you can always see what's going on on their face. It could also make them more of a rebel who goes against conventional means of doing things in extreme ways. Remember, first house planets make for qualities that are front and center in the individual's way of appearing in life. Now to think about the rulers of Scorpio, yes I said rulers, Mars and Pluto. Mars is the traditional ruler a.k.a. what the ancients established, and Pluto is its modern ruler, a.k.a. what modern astrologers established after they found out that the planet existed and what it meant. Mars looks like a little circle with an arrow coming out of it, and Pluto looks like a little person raising their arms going, BOO! (laughs) When a chart has two rulers, I personally look at both and I assess which one is most important for that chart or if it's a combination of the two. I do a little scan of where each ruler is placed in the chart in combination with what kinds of aspects it's making to other planets. If a ruler is placed in either its home sign or the sign of its fall, that's something to pay attention to. If one of the rulers is making an aspect to the Ascendant, Sun, or Moon, that adds to how integrated it is to your identity. Or if one of the rulers is making the tightest aspect in the chart, that also makes it pretty important. You can quickly check how close your aspects are by looking for the orb column on the aspect table and seeing which aspects are closest to 0 degrees. Also on most charts, the thicker the line is between the planets, the more exact the aspect. It's still good to check the orb chart, especially if you don't have your aspects down just yet. Orb is another word for how exact is the aspect. For example, an aspect with the orb of 0 means that the two planets are at the exact 0, 60, 90, or 120 degrees apart, making the aspect very strong. A natal chart aspect with an orb of 3 degrees is still strong, but weaker than an exact aspect. Of course. <laughs> Your tightest or most exact aspects are the key ones to pay attention to, even if they're not connected to the rising sign or ruler. But anyway, that's beyond the scope of today's episode, and we will talk about aspects another day. So, if you're a Scorpio rising, check out where Mars and Pluto fall in your chart, and follow those steps to try to figure out which planet is objectively strongest. But another important piece of this is also to think about which of the planetary archetypes you relate to the most because after all your life experience is the key to really understanding your chart. If you're a Scorpio rising, consider which of these archetypes has most, more influence in your life as I read these passages about Mars and Pluto from Cosmos and Psyche. Also keep in mind that you might have a mix of both of these planetary energies working together. Mars. The principle of energetic force The impulse and capacity to assert To act and move energetically and forcefully To have an impact To press forward and against To defend and offend To act with sharpness and ardor The tendency to experience aggressiveness, anger, conflict, harm, violence, forceful physical energy to be combative, competitive, courageous, vigorous. Aries, the god of war.
1: And Pluto.
0: Pluto is associated with the principle of elemental power, depth, and intensity. With that which compels, empowers, and intensifies whatever it touches. Sometimes to overwhelming and catastrophic extremes with the primordial instincts, libidinal and aggressive, destructive and regenerative, volcanic and cathartic, eliminative, transformative, ever-evolving, with the biological processes of birth, sex, and death, the cycle of death and rebirth, with upheaval, breakdown, decay, and fertilization, violent purgatorial discharge of pent-up energies purifying fire situations of life and death extreme power struggles all that is titanic potent and massive it is the dark mysterious taboo pluto impels burns consumes transfigures and resurrects so what do you think mars vibes Pluto vibes, a little bit of both. Let's look at the chart itself and see what's going on with these two. First, let's check how comfy these planets are within their placements. I talked about the dignities of Mars last week, but to reiterate, Mars is happiest in Aries and Scorpio, does well in Capricorn, struggles in Libra and Taurus, and has its hardest time in Cancer. Pluto is happiest in Scorpio, has a good time in Leo, struggles in Taurus, and faces the most challenge in expressing itself when in Aquarius. It's important to know that Pluto moves ever so slowly, revolving around the Sun over a period of 248 years, meaning that generations of people will have Scorpio in the same sign. It's not a personal planet, like Mars, which completes its cycle in about two years. So where are Mars and or Pluto placed in your chart? What sign and house are they in? Let's think about a Scorpio rising with Mars in the ninth house, with the ninth house sign being Cancer, where Mars is least happy in. This means that you channel your Mars energies into ninth house topics, like higher learning, journeys, your belief systems, your search for the meaning of life, in a Cancerian cancerian way, which is about nurturing, self-protection, and deep empathy, which Mars doesn't exactly know how to do. This strikes me as a person who nurtures their desire to feel and understand the higher meanings of things through learning and travel, but not in the most adventurous way. Maybe they stick to one or two subjects, cultures, or places that they feel most comfortable in. An example for Pluto would be Pluto in Sagittarius in the second house, the house of personal resources, assets, values, and possessions. This person would experience their Pluto energy most directly when engaging with these things. They might be really good, <clears throat> excuse me. They might be really good at working to transform what they have into something new. With Scorpio rising second house being Sagittarius, They might apply a playful, adventurous, and fiery spirit to this approach. It gives me the vibes of someone who really really likes their stuff, but who also gives it away a lot to make space for something new. Also like someone who buys a lot of antiques and renovates them. Next we'll consider the aspects that these planets make. Let's look at Mars and Uranus. A Scorpio rising with these two planets in a square, opposition, or conjunction might be kind of volatile, especially emotionally. And their challenge is to use these planets' energies of action and transformation in a courageous and tactical way, rather than being disruptive for the sake of it. If they're in a trine or sextile, this person might be smoother at using their assertiveness and their physical energy to bring about change or to do things that are unconventional. For Pluto-Uranus, a square, opposition, or conjunction could mean challenges around... I think I already talked about this. Lol. Alrighty. Oh yeah. Okay. Sorry, y'all. My bad. For Pluto-Uranus, a square, opposition, or conjunction could mean challenges around deep transformational change. Pluto wants to transform shit over time while Uranus would rather cut to breaking that shit into a million pieces and birthing something completely different. And they're not working together on this. This is a lesson that this person has to learn about integrating the planets on their own. Pluto, Trine, or sextile Uranus could look like someone who's naturally good at integrating transformation with change in a way that flows. Tempering both of these energies so that they can be buddies and empower each other, rather than being at odds. Lastly, let's look at the elemental makeup of your chart. Scorpio rising's approach to life will always be watery, aka emotional. If you have a Scorpio rising with the Libra sun, that's going to bring an intense emotional vibe to Libra's expressive and relational energy. They might follow their feelings rather than their thoughts when trying to make the right choice, and express a lot of feelings in their relationships with others. A Scorpio rising with an airy sun cares less about the right choice and more about taking some action based on the feelings they're experiencing and absorbing around them. Of course, we also have to consider what the rest of the chart looks like. If most planets are also in water signs, It could be helpful to keep an eye on how much you're identifying with your emotions, which don't always tell the truth about a situation. You might get stuck in a feeling for a long time, and this is not always helpful. If you're a Scorpio rising with a mix of fire and air in your chart, you are more balanced in your thoughts. Oh, my bad. (laughs) You are more balanced in the way you experience your emotions, taking more into account your actions as well as your thoughts. A Scorpio rising with a lot of Earth planets sounds super grounding and soothing. Like a really good therapist who can bring out your deepest secrets while also helping you stay down to Earth. Ta-da! That is your guide for Taurus and Scorpio rising. I hope you learned a lot and that today was yummy for your brain. Next week I'll talk about Gemini and Sagittarius rising. If anything really hit home for you today, please let me know. You can email me personally at astroxcaro at gmail.com. That's A-S-T-R-O-X-C-A-R-O at gmail.com. Please share any thoughts or insights this episode inspired. I'm also happy to answer whatever questions have come up for you as you've been listening. Ooh, I smell a like QA and a episode cooking. Hit me up! So, this has been Astro Vibes with me, Garo. Thank you so much for listening, and I'll talk to you next time. For more content, follow Ambient Vibes Music on social media, and check out the merch for Astro Vibes at ambientvibesmusic.com.
1: I'll
0: talk to you next week.